Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Bare Necessities podcast. I'm your host, Austin, and with me is my co-host, Reese. Reese, it's training camp. Yeah, no, Wait's absolutely. Over. It's, uh, Wait's um, over. Hall of Fame game is this week, isn't it? I think you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah. That I think it's Thursday. Because there were teams that even got started, like, even before the Bears got going, um, which was way early, just to see at least rookies report for, for some of those teams. But yeah, no, uh, couldn't be more excited. Um, football right around the corner and excited. I think pads are going on Wednesday for the bears. I heard there's talk that mm-hmm. maybe they'll go on um, tomorrow, but I don't know. Not a hundred percent about that. Definitely seems like Wednesday. And that's when things really do turn up just that extra level. Um, but yeah, no, we're into the serious stuff now. Yeah, that's when you can actually see the linemen play, <laughs> you know, and the running backs. Uh, like, otherwise, I mean, peop- there was this uh, one highlight put out by the Cowboys uh, uh, on Deuce Vaughn. And I, I think Deuce Vaughn's going to be a good player. You know, I'm, I think he was overlooked in this draft process. Don't get me wrong. But it was like a, it was like a pl- play, and it looked like he was taking it to the house. I was like, he would have been tackled, like, three times already if this was, like, a tackle yeah. practice, you know. Like, it just... Uh, it is what it is. And this is also the time of the year where we hyper analyze everything. So that's what we will be doing this podcast. And uh, yeah, other than that, Reese, how, how's your week been so far? Are you getting pumped up for the NFL season? Yeah, definitely. Um, all kinds of football. You know, I'm ready for college and NFL both. Um, so definitely really excited. There really seems like only the month of August stands between uh, – us and in football season and you know I, i'm just eager enough to watch football that i definitely get hyped about the preseason too um at least oh, for yeah. the first game you know for the yeah. first game the I first get, game the first preseason 15 minutes game, into the first game you come to your senses yeah no after the first preseason game like you're really hype you're super hype for the first quarter for sure um you know i think second quarter it's still you see the the proclaimed like the second team if you will um, usually on offense and defense by then. And, you know, every team approaches the preseason games um, differently. I don't know. What would your expectation be? Just kind of off on a tangent here. What do you think Iberflus will end up doing as far as the first preseason game and, you know, like the first team offense? Do you think they play like two drives or you think it's really dependent on how camp goes? Honestly, I th- I could see them kind of go out there with Justin and just do a few uh, like snaps, pretty much just getting back into the rhythm of things. Not ne- like I think they're going to be handoffs or like quick passes or things like that. I I don't expect to see Justin for like I would honestly be shocked if we saw him for more than one series and if that series was heavily throwing. You know, I I, yeah. I think that it, there's a good chance we don't see him at all. To be completely honest with you. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm curious to see how it plays out in that right. Um, just because it's important, obviously. I mean, you know, managing injuries, you know, for the top guys. So there's people you definitely went out there absolutely for for week one of the NFL season. Um, and I just feel like looking back to, and if I'm remembering, kind of like last year's off season. Of course, it was um, or last year's preseason. And of course, it was Fields' first year. This whole co- coaching staff, this whole new management, um, first preseason. But it just seemed like some of the things were awkward. Like they had so many short drives that it seemed like Fields mm-hmm. was out there for like three, four drives. Sometimes almost like the whole first quarter, just because things didn't go to plan. 
So hopefully they can do the one drive and score and then pull them or, you know, the extra courtesy drive if they don't score. Because, yeah, definitely don't want to see them out there for too long. But it was just like last year preseason was so weird. I'm just like hopefully things go a little bit more to plan so we don't have to put them out there any more than needed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were 3-0, uh, and though. Don't forget about that. We were undefeated in the preseason. Yeah. Uh, again that, that always means it's gonna be a good much, season <laughs> <laughs> that just shows you how literally much the preseason does not matter at all and i think the teams we beat were what like the bill i think we played the bills the seahawks and like i don't know the dolphins or something and we beat them all yeah i mean i think obviously like the wins and loss if you're tracking the wins and losses you totally lost the point um i think preseason definitely matters in the fact of just making sure that the scheme and the personnel is really lining up with how you thought they were going to perform um, and really figuring out what you have. But yeah, if you're, (laughs) if you're out here rooting for the, the week one preseason win, you know, you got the wrong objective. (laughs) It's, it's much more important for the young players and especially like the fringe roster guys. Like I'm the things that I go into it looking interested in is like how the second team offensive line is shaping out. I'm interested to see some of the running backs because I we have like three pretty solid guys. The other thing that I can give you is kind of a reference for depth chart currently, which I really appreciate. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll be excited for the first game and the last game, and that's about it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, and then with college football right around the corner too, you know, there's obviously that one weekend off of the NFL from the preseason to the start of the regular season, and that's all college football and. You know, that's a fun weekend. Yeah, most definitely. But yeah, I mean, I guess reining it back into the Bears. I'm, uh, I mean, I'm definitely interested to see how the new additions fit in, especially offensively. But um, hearing it from camp so far, I think I'm definitely pleased to hear like you know Tyreek Stevenson is fitting in well. Sounds like he's been playing pretty good as that that cornerback too. Um, and of course the other news we haven't touched on since then is Komet getting the, uh, the yeah. extension as well. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a minute. And I got a couple other quick news bites as well. So Cole Komet gets extended four years, 50 million, 32 million guaranteed front loaded contract. Um, it's funny cause we just had a pretty lengthy conversation on the last podcast about where Komet kind of ranks. Yeah. This contract puts him like literally, I think ninth in the uh, NFL tight end value uh, contract realm, which is like kind of right where we expected him to land. I, th- I thought this was a really good contract. I was afraid that Komet would potentially, even though I know he grew up a bears fan and in the Chicago area, I was a little bit afraid that he might potentially like try to test the market. Um, because players like Komet, they're kind of like, I don't know, fringe top 10 guys. They hit free agency. Yeah, uh, they can cash in. You know, ultimately, you're right. They're the ones that can reap the benefit of, you know, all it takes is one bad, you know, tight end free agency year. And, you know, he's kind of a hot commodity. I think that the deal works out really well in this case. And I like that you emphasize front-loaded. And that's really smart this year where, you know, they're still – you know, not really using up all their cap and then lets them have more wiggle room, um, wiggle room in, in years to come. So ultimately I'm not mad at it. I feel like it's like the contract that he deserves. It seems like the right fit. Um, and if he kind of just keeps, you know, developing a little bit more and more, I feel like it's probably a contract that he's going to outplay at least for, Mm -hmm. you know, 
a good part of that contract. So I, I definitely am not upset, and I think that it's good that they locked it down before the season. Um, well, at least it seems that way right now because, you know, if he ends up popping off, like you said, maybe he goes and hits free agency or maybe you get uh, caught up giving him a, a contract that's a little bit more uh, a little bit more puffed up. Speaking of contracts, Jonathan Taylor. Man, this yeah. is this was a uh, th- this new story went on fire like it, it kind of was sizzling and we saw, OK, Jonathan Taylor is not very happy because the owner's comments <laughs> And it's like, okay, understandably. And then they have this meeting, and now it's it's at its boiling point. For those of you who do not uh, do not know, the Colts owner, uh, Jim Ursay, put out uh, some uh, tweets regarding the running back situation in the NFL, which is objectively horrible for the position players. I do think that like something needs to be considered, like potentially, I don't know, scaling rookie contracts a little bit higher for running backs but like it is it does suck for these players I don't know the answer but it sucks for these players that they are so important to teams uh and and they get so little value now um I I I actually feel like uh almost like three years ago that crop of running backs coming up kind of cap the market almost of like what you would pay a running back. And it's rare to see a position group. Normally every single free agency, every contract, there's new all time highs here. And Chris Jones wants 30 million a year. Like, I mean, the market for these players is crazy, but again, a guy like Saquon Barkley just signed a contract for Cole Komet money. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy, but um, Jim Irsay anyways, not to get off track, came out, made a statement, said that, Running back shouldn't be complaining because they signed a CBA, which, you know, I, I get it. I understand it. There's a lot of questions from players in general with the CBA because just based on the fact that a lot of NFL players, like a lot, you see guys like, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald get all these big contracts, but the CBA is largely agreed upon by the uh, kind of end tail end of the roster players because there's just a lot more of them. So like backups. Um, so there's kind of issues in regards to how things are done there, but I do agree in general, like the CBA has been signed. It took forever to get that signed. Um, I, I get where Ursa is coming from. And then, uh, Jonathan Taylor's agent comes out, makes some, some statements about Jim Ursa and that he's not completely happy. And then some reporter, I think it was Ian Rappaport put out a tweet like, Oh man, hope this is mendable. And then, uh, Taylor's agent came back and said, probably not. And then they went ahead and met at training camp. Taylor is currently holding out. They met. Uh, Taylor requested a trade. Jim Ursay said, uh, "You can. We're not going to trade you, but we can uh, let you play out this season, and then we'll let you hit free agency." Which, you know, who knows if that would actually happen. Um, and then Taylor said, "No, nope, still going to still want to trade." And Ursay, uh, uh, supposedly the Colts, and this is coming from pretty credible sources, to be honest are considering putting him on the non-football injury list, which would essentially, if he missed this season, if he didn't play this season, just have his contract extend to next year and in perpetuity until he plays that year. And this injury that they're claiming that he has is apparently completely fabricated. So I'd be interested to see (laughs) 
if the NFL is, if you're even allowed to fabricate an injury to put a player on this list, that, that, I mean, it seems pretty unethical. And if I was a Colts fan, I don't know if that's the message I'd want to send to their locker room that, Hey, if you have any complaints, we might make you just stay here for the rest of your career. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Put you in football purgatory, man. Unbelievable. And it's really kind of crazy. Like you said, how that all unfolded out and, Man, that was basically step by step through it. Um, I, I, first off, I do agree with you on the running back comments. I mean, I do feel like something needs to be done, but like you said, you know, they're kind of in a little bit of a pickle until the next collective bargaining agreement. So, you know, what can you really do about that? And you know, the Jonathan Taylor issue just kind of seemed to happen very timely to all of that. And you know, Jim Irsay is going to Jim Irsay. So I can't say that I'm even <laughs> that shocked with how this has played out. Um, really, I find the Colts to be one of the most head scratching organizations in the league. It's it's interesting that they've definitely had their fair share of talent, but have boggled it, mismanaged, and put a lot of faith in I think in a management system that is at least shown not to work so far. Yeah. So. You know, say what you will about the Colts organization to begin with, but it's definitely spun out of hand. You know, as far as the fabricating an injury, if that is true, you know, you got to feel like that's some kind of punishment. You know, some something that's that's not right, or at least would be a um, a violation of the collective bargaining yeah. agreement or something along those lines. Um, but for Jonathan Taylor, it's like, yeah, I hope he gets the money that he deserves. It's interesting too. You know, he does all this after a year that was definitely a down year for him. Like Mm -hmm. it was his rookie season, right? Not his second year, his rookie season where he just really tore it up. Uh, He, he had a good rookie season, but he had the rushing record uh, his second year. The second year. Okay. And then last year definitely did not, you know, live up to, to that, which it was huge production that he had put up in that second year. Um, But this following year was, you know, not terrible, but just to what the expectations were set, where the bar was set, seemed like a bit of a letdown. So I don't know. It's just like I'm not shocked that this is coming out of you know a division like the AFC South, and it's coming out of an organization like the like the Colts. You know, it's kind of like a go figure to me. But it's here's, a decent offseason storyline. But hopefully, here's yeah, my question. Say? Here's my question. Sorry, I lag a little bit. I'll cut that out. No. Here's my question with the with the situation. If you really don't value Jonathan Taylor and like you're not going to extend him, what's the point of even keeping him this year? Like you're uh, the Colts organization, you're having Anthony Richardson start for you this year who I think can be good, but in college has proven that he needs time to develop, right? I don't necessarily think that Jonathan Taylor is going to give you some sort of benefit in uh, Anthony Richardson develop Richardson's development so long that you get a comparable replacement where there's even, I mean, there's guys in free agency just sitting around that can, you know, come off the bench and have, you know, 900 yards, AKA Donta Foreman, someone like that, you know, like you can find these guys that if you just do enough around them, they can be productive in the run game. Um, so it's like, why, why make this whole issue out of the situation? Why don't you either say, okay, this guy's in the plans. We're going to move forward with him and sign him or just trade him and get your draft picks. You're not winning this year, anything. Yeah. I mean, of course, I don't think there's always the best stigma with requesting a trade, which I think is a totally different issue in itself, but yeah, I mean, to me, the weird play definitely seems to be on the cult side here. Like, 
and especially the longer that you wait, like his value doesn't go up. You know, we've already talked about how, you know, running back seems like the depreciating asset. Like you can always go ahead and draft another one, or like you said, find someone that can give yeah. you great production on a free agency. So why wouldn't you trade him when, you know, people think that he still is a high end player. So I don't know. It's just a head scratcher all around for me. Like, yeah, no one's going to win. It doesn't seem like <laughs> definitely not like you could even trade him for instance to like the jets. Right. And the jets have like three decent running backs on their team that have longer contracts than Taylor. Like it's just like, it doesn't make as it doesn't make complete sense to me. Um, why, if you don't value the running back, you would make this big deal of it. The other thing I'll say, Jonathan Taylor, you know, in his time at Wisconsin was known to be a good dude. You know, he never had any issues when he was at Wisconsin. So it, it, it's just interesting that this is happening with this player. And it makes me at least believe that the Colts are in large part at fault here. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, Justin Fields, let's get back on the bears. Sorry to bore any of our fans makes the NFL top 100. This is something that we actually talked about potentially happening. Uh, number 86 that's above Trevor Lawrence called you know some people were unhappy about it and like some some people were making some major media reporters were making some rash statements like uh, Trevor Lawrence can't like is kind of capped out at what he can do whereas Justin Fields has all the like development upside that you got to factor in I'm like I don't necessarily believe that I think Trevor Lawrence had a great year too um you know I think the the main key reason with this is Justin Fields set a lot of records last year. Trevor Lawrence did not. And like, that's just how you have to view it. Justin Fields, as far as just highlight reel plays, things like that, his plays were a lot better than Trevor Lawrence's. Um, As far as making uh, some buzzer on it, I'm not saying, you know, like this is a little bit like the players that get wrapped up into the season and everything. They, that's a lot of what they see. Um, and this is the coaches too. So like they game plan against him. And I think coaches last year, if you factor in the entirety of the work, coaches would have much rather played Trevor Lawrence than Justin Fields, just even just based on his running ability. Um, listen, I, I think that this, uh, I, I think that it's valid, you know, I think it's validated, but I can also understand criticisms regarding, um, this. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, it really just, harkens the debate of like do you consider how much you factor in wins into you know kind of a quarterback's you know success or how you picture the quarterback because obviously fields didn't have much of that going on his side you know only had the three wins in the season whereas trevor lawrence made the playoffs um so ultimately it kind of almost boils down to that you know our wins and losses a quarterback stat and i think it is and isn't a little bit because i think also you attribute you know, the whole leadership aspect um, to the position as well. There's a lot of, I don't know, there's just a lot of everything about the quarterback position. It's very much what the league has become, um, and people expect a lot from you. So I'm a little bit where you're at as far as, like, I see both sides of it. Um, I think personally I would have expected it to be inverted, but I, like you said, I can see why Fields was ranked higher. Like you said, he established himself as a definite, you know, dual threat um, as far as being able to just do special things with his legs. And it wasn't just one or two of those plays. It was like multiple times in the year. It was damn near seemed like every game that he was ripping off a special, you know, 
40 yard plus run um, and making people miss and running through people. So I think I can see it where Fields is ranked above. I think that, you know, if you did a quarterback rankings, I would expect, you know, Trevor Lawrence just to be above on the fact that he made the playoffs. Um, kind of seems like he's a little bit more of a sure thing passing wise, at least. But like you said, it's a little bit tough to to all wrap in to rank. And, you know, ultimately it's the players that rank them. Um, and I don't really know if there can be any kind of foul play or anything like that, or yeah. maybe some players take it more serious than others. But, you know, ultimately it's about what the players view them as. And you just got to accept that. <laughs> <laughs> accept it. Uh, the right. real I mean, question. Just, I it have. is what it is. Yeah, it is. And it doesn't matter. No, it really doesn't. Right. Um, <laughs> the uh, the big question for me here is how do both of these guys, Geno Smith and uh, Lamar Jackson, rank below Jared Goff and Kirk Cousins? That That's my question. <laughs> uh, but right. we, we can get into that a little well, bit exactly. when we talk about and I think it's just like if you go through like, OK, so I think that like the way that some and I think it's just a mindset kind of thing. I think the way that people would rank like quarterbacks and then the way that they actually kind of like shuffle out on the top mm-hmm. 100 would be different. You know, yeah. like I feel like people and it's would an average, it. too, you know. Yeah. Right. And I think it's just like. Right. Exactly. I think Geno Smith personally, I think that he would be kind of on par with Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, I think was good, but like, yeah, not, not elite, but, and we don't even know whether Koroks can be ranked like above them. There's going to be like kind of surprising people that are left off. I mean, of course you can expect the people that definitely will be ahead, but it's just like, yeah, I, I don't, I just don't put too much stock into it. I think it's cool to have the players do it. Um, and it's definitely a good way to pass time in the off season, but it's definitely something for like the Twitter, the Twitter wars, you know, and it basically stops there. <laughs> has has to be the the only Bears quarterback that's ever made this list, I think, because they have only been doing this since like end of Cutler era, I think. So has to be the only one. I don't, I don't think. Yeah, Mitch unless Mitch surprised us one year and was like in the nineties or like ninety eight, but so. who knows? Yeah, I don't think so. Um, all right, let's talk about some other camp storylines. So as you guys know, training camp kicked off last week, lots of storylines. And again, this is the era and the time for over-exaggeration and overlooking into everything. Like realistically, we're not going to, I do think that some of these storylines become true, right? Like 2019 Mitch struggling in camp came true. Right, but you you never can truly know until things are on the field. Um, but here's the thing that I'll say is that in training camp in general, you can't win it, but you can definitely lose it. So yeah. looking at health of players and performance, right now Bears, I, I don't think they've had a single injury, which honestly says a lot about this coaching staff and like hearing about the, you know, conditioning tests that they require of these players, uh, to hit the field. Um, like I, it seems like that is preventing these injuries because a lot of the time when you see players uh, go down with an injury early into camp, um, signifies their bodies were probably not in camp shape. Right. That yeah. just tends to be yeah. the old, the old saying. Um, but first, first storyline 
Justin Fields and DJ Moore are supposedly thriving, which, you know, I think is something we expected. And, you know, they're going on all these interviews and talking cute with each other and everything. And it's, it's been a, a delight to see Justin Fields finally have a good uh, wide receiver to throw to Reese. Uh, are you buying into this? Do you think this is going to be a big connection coming into next year? Yeah, I think that there will be. Um, I definitely expect uh, DJ Moore to to take the lead in the receiving room, and I think basically a lot of the questions kind of take place after that, um, after his position as far as you know where Mooney and Claypool stack up. But I definitely expect it seems like the the relationship is there, and I think both they ultimately know that you know it just has to. They just got to make it happen. I think that they both know that they can um, elevate their game to the next level and that it will both benefit um, each one of their games. So I think that they both taken the time to, to develop it and build that chemistry as quick as possible. So hopefully um, that continues into, you know, preseason and then the regular season. Um, Cause I expect, you know, I've said it before. I think DJ Moore is certainly the best receiver on the bears since at least Brandon Marshall, um, and I think he has a potential to, if his career plays out well, and if, if everything starts to hook up for this bears team, you know, he can honestly, you know, set the team record if we're being yeah. serious, if this all goes well. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm buying it too. You know, I think, uh, DJ Moore and Justin Fields, like, I think that connection is going to be by far the best out of any receiver. Justin has yet to play with just assuming DJ Moore with the production he's had currently, I would assume him to have a thousand yards the next season. I'd be pretty surprised if he didn't um, just based on, I mean, he's done crazy things with horrible quarterbacks. Uh, some of which are on the bears roster. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I agree. Uh, as far as Claypool goes, you know, Mooney is not on the field. I kind of have that in, part of my camp questions is like, when are we going to see Mooney? How is he doing? Uh, or at least I don't think he's doing full team participation. I think he's like, you know, moving around. He's at camp, but I, I don't think he's in full team participation drills yet today. All reports were, and, and we're recording this Monday, uh, that everything with, as far as Justin Fields and Claypool, it's growing pretty well. And, uh, it, it's a connection that's growing to not nearly the same as with DJ, uh, but still a growing connection. So happy to hear that as well. Cause man, Claypool said this is the biggest season of his career. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, and hopefully he, he rises up to the pressure and, you know, if he gets off to a bad start, it doesn't kind of crumble him, but you know, I don't know how he is kind of personal wise. I mean, obviously I think he's someone that has confidence in his game and that's why he would say something along those lines. So I'm at least hopeful that he can come out and, and deliver for the team, especially once called upon. And then you kind of just hope that, you know, since he's not in that featured role, since DJ Moore will be getting a lot of the attention, Hopefully that allows him to take his his game up even further, um, and it really just kind of takes some of the attention off of him. And sometimes those are the kind of players, like kind of how it worked out for uh, Devonta Smith in Philadelphia last year with AJ Brown. Like AJ Brown got a lot of the attention, and it opened up Devonta Smith game to just go ahead and and, and make plays, um, go ahead and get himself into space, and, and kind of. Um, just really ultimately playing the way he wants, not forcing things. So I think that with the the kind of ability that the Bears now have in the receiver room, I think we're going to get to see more of that um, where receivers can kind of play 
I guess what their like football personality is, um, and not try to have to to force their game too much. Um, and hopefully, you know, and the other position groups, especially like the running backs, that's a little bit of the hope that I have as well. Um, but still interested to see how that shakes out. Absolutely. Uh, rookies, Javon Dexter and Tyreek Stevenson and Darnell Wright. And, uh, I can't Tyler Scott. I was going to, I was going to say, I can't think of the wide receivers name. All having pretty good camp so far. Uh, Tyreek Stevenson, I want to uh, take a moment to talk about him. He is, uh, it, it's been more up and down than some of these other guys. Same with Tyler Scott, where Tyreek Stevenson, I mean, he's just getting, it seems like every, he's on the receiving end of like every single DJ Moore, Justin Field highlight. Uh, but when he's on Claypool, apparently he's been really good, which is good because he's going to be covering a lot of wide receiver twos uh, with Jalen Johnson taking that main guy. Uh, today, he got a pick on Justin, which is good news. And uh, it seems like he's had he kind of in the beginning was a little off and on, and then he's really taken off since then. Uh, again, we're only four days into training camp, so a lot to play out here. But that's good news, uh, man. It it just it looks like Darnell Wright's just crazy. And same thing with Jervon Dexter. As far as you know, again, pads are are, are not completely on yet. It, these linemen haven't gotten a full go, but the early returns on these guys have been really good. And then with Tyler Scott, again, up and down in the sense that he looks good, but apparently he's been dropping a good amount of passes, um, which is not something I'm particularly concerned with, to be honest. Uh, It seems like that's kind of a coaching thing. And, uh, yeah, it it looks pretty good. Getting some good uh, P.J. Walker highlights in there. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I think with Tyreek Stevenson – I think I'm definitely – I know you mentioned a little bit of the slow start. I know the reports the first couple of days were like, oh, you know, just him getting beat on a couple of occasions. But I think especially at the corner position too, like I think it's so – like you really kind of get the – got to get the feel of the game, the speed of the game, just getting rhythm with everything. And I think it's definitely encouraging that he kind of got up to speed and he was able to find it and he's showing you that he has it. Um and, you know, you expect at that position to have some ups and downs, especially early in the career, especially as you're learning defensive scheme. Um, but I think at least that you show that you can have it, you can go ahead and step up and make some of those big plays. Because we saw what happened with even Kyler Gordon last year. And I know even after they shifted him into nickel, um, things that began the season were rough. But as soon as he got kind of up to the speed of the NFL got a feel for the game and the pace. I think he really came onto the scene and was making big plays both in the run and passing game. Um, you know, especially in that nickel position. So I think they're really, at least when they show you that they have it in certain spurts, you have those bright spots, definitely encouraging Darnell, Wright, I know I saw the clip of, you know, not even in pads yet, but got the pancake block. Um, so, you know, you definitely can't be upset with that. It looks like, of course, all the reports have been glowing of him, um, talking about he accidentally saw the wide receiver and tight ends conditioning <laughs> report and got himself whipped in the shape so he didn't even break a sweat for the lineman conditioning. So that's actually pretty funny. Yeah, yeah that's no, pretty good. I mean, yeah, you talk about definitely just like shooting over. <laughs> um, so great to hear that. I mean, and obviously things I think have really kind of clicked well. And, you know, maybe that's a little bit of the benefit of being drafted to be that right tackle position is that, you know, not all that pressure right away. Um, Mm -hmm. And you can just kind of fall in and hit the ground running a little bit more. Um, And I think, I think Tyler Scott will eventually come in. I think also too, 
it's nice that okay first off let me just say this because i think that's the one good thing about the bears as training camp i feel like in years prior we'd be like man i'm really concerned about tyler scott dropping these passes because we're gonna need him to be wide receiver too you know (laughs) but like when he's the fourth guys are wide receiver one (laughs) yeah right and you know now i'm sitting back here and i'm like oh well you know if as long as uh, DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney are playing the way that we expect them to play, you know, Tyler Scott dropping a couple balls doesn't bother me. Um, yeah. And it's still early on in camp. Uh, I think that eventually I have confidence that they'll, you know, be able to to build that chemistry for, I don't know, sometimes it just takes for a wide receiver, you know, learning how a uh, quarterback throws can be a big difference. You know, quarterbacks, all yeah. different, all the quarterbacks around the league throw the ball completely different. Um, you know, a lot of the technique is the same, but sometimes how it comes out of the hand um, and just, the, you know, the, the force uh, as well from some quarterbacks to the other is totally different. So, you know, definitely have confidence in them. I think that this Bears rookie draft class, I think after the draft, we felt like it was going to be a pretty solid class and that uh, a lot of these players were going to show up. Of course, you can't expect all of them to hit, um, but I think that they definitely drafted some difference makers and they were able to um, really draft some of the best players on the board as well as take care of some needs but didn't absolutely hone in on focusing on addressing the needs. And that's why you're left with holes like we are at the edge rusher where we're still kind of waiting to hear if you know someone's going to be signed there. Um, but, you know, certainly in the secondary now for the Bears at the wide receiver group, you know, you definitely feel like we're in a good spot. And just to make a kind of a statement on that, um, kind of one of my camp questions is like, why are we not hearing more about the three technique position? Why are we not hearing more about Zach Pickens? Like, realistically, I would like to see Zach Pickens kind of threatening Justin Jones kind of out the gate, to be honest, for that starting three technique position. And I know these linemen, they do take longer to develop, but like it seems for all the praise that Javon Dexter is getting, it just like comparing that to everything we're hearing about Zach Pickens, it just seems like there's nearly nothing coming out about Zach Pickens, which is concerning to me right now, considering Iberflus's, you know, him saying how important that position is again that doesn't mean you have to put big draft picks in it but you know i i would like to hear a little bit more from zach pickens at the moment and then also something i'll add is uh you know we didn't even mention it but rumors coming out that yannick Ngakwe has interest to sign with the bears and then also rumors coming out that the bears are interested in justin houston i mean just I, really quickly so we don't get too derailed how do you feel about this i mean i kind of I, I guess I would prefer Ngakwe, but, like, I, I don't know, man. It's- I think I would prefer Ngakwe, too, but I think now, realistically, that we're closer to the season, like, even these guys don't excite me that much. I think, like, yeah. you know, back in April, <laughs> I would have been like, yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. And then now, now that, like, I'm seeing, like, players out on the field again, I feel like I have that more realistic take of, like, yes, they'll step in, and I think that they'll be more productive than probably some of the people that are already there. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, these guys are not necessarily world beaters. Like I'm not going to expect them to come out and have a 14 sack season. Like it's more so like if we get seven, we'll probably be pretty happy about that. So, which given that the defense had like three sacks all of last year anyway, I mean, seven (laughs) seems like a great number, but um, it's just like, yeah, I think now that we have more of that real football scope, I'm like, okay, if either Justin Houston or, you know, Yannick and Gakwe 
get into that position. Like, yes, I'll probably be happy about it. I'm not going to cap, but at the same time, it's like, you know what? I'm not going to be pissed off. If we don't sign him. And it doesn't seem like, I feel like we always brought up real quick and I'll let you go. Like with pace, I was like, Oh man, we missed opportunities on signing these, these, and these guys. But this isn't, you know, having the ability to go out there and sign Leonard Fournette yeah. or something like that. This is, you know, Yannick and Gakwe. And it's likely going to be a one year deal anyway. I'm pretty close to letting us just like ride out the season with the guys that we have. Um, but I will say like with Houston, I, I just like, I kind of feel like we're he's either going to be a big success or like a massive failure because I feel like him being 35, he's just at that age where like it's any going to be any given year where he puts up a zero sack season and then he's out of the NFL. Um, and then as far as Ngakwe goes, I do have questions about scheme fit there. He's not known to be good at all against the run, but he has put up a consistent like eight, nine, ten sacks a season for the past couple of years. So that would be huge for this pass rush. Um, the question is like the contract, like what are you going to give him? Ideally, if you could get him to sign like a two year, like $13 million contract, I don't know if that's even going to be in the realm of what he's asking for, but like just to kind of bridge you, you know, like maybe yeah. we can draft a guy in this draft and then he could be kind of take some of the pressure off that rookie. And then you have Demarcus Walker as a rotational guy like that that would be pretty good in my opinion. So, um, yeah, I'm not, yeah. Over the, yeah. no, I think Excited. a little bit of my perspective, like comes from like just fears of like bears past, you know, and look, I, trust me, I'm a huge fan of one year deals. Like I'm often like, yeah, give guys a chance. Cause if it's a one year deal, like you said, yeah. even like a two year deal, or if it's like a one year deal with a player option, something like that, like, you know, definitely not terrible. Um, and I, I'm willing to give guys a chance, but I think I'm so much just like caught in that old bears rut of like, just remembering the days of like Pernell McPhee. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally, I'm sitting here being excited. Like when they signed him, and then it's like, we wrote it out for like two years too long with that man, because we were like, Oh, maybe one time we'll get the production. Like we once got from him. And Darrell then Freeman, and then, like, you kind of just let the issue balloon up to the point where you have to make a blockbuster move, like getting Khalil Mack. Like, I'm fine with – it would su- – and I might be kicking myself saying this by, like, week four because I'm like, oh, we still have no edge pass rush. Um, but, like, I feel like I'm fine riding it out this year and then just going hard on the need, like, yeah. next offseason. Um, yeah. But I'll probably be regretting that, eat my words. <laughs> right. Um, all right, kind of- Keeping on the topic of edge rushers, Demarcus Walker, Bears free agency signing, apparently playing lights out. Looks really good, brings a good attitude. That's good to hear. You know, good to hear. Got a sack on Darnell Wright today, which is impressive. Um, the other, the real surprise, we think, though. We think it's impressive. <laughs> yeah, we think it's impressive. <laughs> we don't know yet. <laughs> um, the other person making some noise Terrell Lewis is supposedly just lighting up the second team. And the only reason why I bring him up is he was someone that in college I thought could like develop into something in, in the NFL because he is just a freak of nature. Like he, injuries have derailed his career so far. And it just, I, I remember when he was coming out in the draft, I was like, dude, this guy, if he puts it all together, he could be a monster. Um, and so he's kind of our high upside guy. If he could even get any starting reps this year, I, I would be very happy with this. I, I think it was a waiver claim. So, 
Yeah, and it's it's interesting because I think with like at the edge position, it's not like running back where you can, like you said, just sign someone that'll rush for nine hundred yards for you just with the the right amount of you know giving them the ball and just yeah. you know capacity. Um, but like edge rusher, like you can't do nearly what you can with running backs, but every now and then you can kind of get a little bit of that surprise player, um, you know, sign a player and just get them in the right part of their career. Like you said, there's been a lot of as many elite edge rushers as there are in the NFL. There's like an equal number of guys that have elite talent, but just have not had the career because they get too banged up. I mean, like you think about your Jadavion Clowney, I mean, still very young, but like you think about Chase Young's career, you know, players that just haven't had the ability to stay healthy, but just have freak level talent. Like there's just a lot of freak athletes that happen to play the edge position. And if they can hook it up, if the scheme fit is right, um, you know, then you stumble upon something, something awesome. And it only happens a few times every season, um, as far as around teams in the league. But I forgot, I'm even blanking on who was like the Lions player last year. They're like alongside Hutchinson, like, oh. uh, like he just rabbled Houston? off. Is that his yeah. last name? I can't something remember his first name though. Yeah, but, I can't either. Um, but he got like what? It was like six sacks in his first like three yeah. games, something like that. He played and great. I, yeah, it's just you can have these kind of players pull up a little bit out of nowhere. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Devondre Campbell I mean, for the yeah. Packers was UDFA until he's like 28. Had a pretty good – had an all-pro year. Last year regressed quite a bit, um, which reminds me. I was listening to this podcast, and they were talking about how good the Packers' defense was last year. And I was just like – Dude, did you watch? <laughs> tell me you didn't watch the Packers. I know, like, tell me you're looking at the paper, not actually looking at the screen. Even the stats were horrible. Like, they have talented yeah. players, but like their defense completely underperformed to the point that their defensive coordinator fans were calling for his head at the end of the season. Um, but we'll get into other teams in a minute. The one thing I want to wrap up with is Terrell Lewis had a he was always a really interesting player to me because he just looks like an edge rusher and like looks like he should be an edge rusher and looks so natural at the position but all through college he played pretty much primarily inside linebacker at Bama and then he also and he also did rush at Bama but for the most part he was playing at inside linebacker and then in his NFL career I'm, I I could be wrong, but I think this is the first time he's going to be a full-time edge rusher in his NFL career, which gives me a little bit of hope that he could potentially have, you know, kind of a Hassan Reddick-like ascendance where, remember, he came out, he was kind of a tweener, inside linebacker. Is he going to be an edge? He was so good playing at the edge, but he was also – I think Terrell Lewis is bigger than Hassan Reddick, but kind of the comparison of, you know, bringing him in, switching position, and getting more out of him. Um, you know, I'm not going to say we found anything, but I'm, I'm keeping my eye on this. I want to see if he starts to get first team reps in practice, things like that. Yeah. And I think, you know, maybe it's just something clicking or like you said, just kind of having the, um, the more time, the full dedication to the edge position, which, you know, the bears need it. And ultimately there's going to be, if if someone's going to catch on for the Bears, like as far as maybe coming a little bit out of nowhere, like this year is the year to do it. 
Um, there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to have the chance to prove themselves. I mean, <laughs> ultimately, yeah. I, I, I feel like the room is a little bit wide open right now. And I think training camp is going to be huge. Training camp preseason is going to be one of the things to watch. Like, um, even if they do sign someone, it's it's going to be, you know, who are our edge guys? Because I think any guy that flashes really hard in this, you know, training camp and preseason, it's going to have a chance to at least start at the beginning of the season. All right, so now getting into some of the opposing teams, you know, I I try to keep track of, uh, you know, whether I like it or not, I'm forced to keep track of these teams um, just based on some of the people I follow on Twitter. <laughs> um, but regardless, uh, overall, you know, it's, it seems like there's been some mixed reviews uh, about a lot of these other teams in the division. And again, I think that you and I are both kind of in the headspace that the Bears absolutely this year have an opportunity to claim this division, uh, which would be the first time they did this since 2018. Um, especially with the fall off of the Packers, it seems like the division's more open than ever. Uh, I, you know, I'm going to start off with kind of a curveball one. I'm going to start off with the Vikings. Uh, just some of the basic yeah. storylines. Obviously, the whole Dal- Dalvin Cook fiasco occurred dalvin cook is a free agent danielle hunter was unhappy with his contract signed a one-year deal all reports are right now that the pass rush in in training camp is a little bit of a concern the defense in general is still a bit of a concern Uh, obviously they hired flores as their defensive coordinator so that's a huge you know benefit to them but they still you know need to put together some talent for him uh but on the positive side for them all reports are that both the wide receivers are just killing it in camp. So Jordan Addison and Justin Jefferson. Reese, how are you how are you feeling about the Vikings this season? Yeah, I feel like the Vikings, like I don't I don't worry that they'll be able to put up points. Like I think with Justin Jefferson, with Jordan Addison, like I think that they're gonna have their success, especially in the passing game. I think, you know, every team is gonna fear having to put their secondary up against their receivers. At the same time, you kind of expect their, like, bounce of ball, like their ball luck as far as, you know, kind of the way the games turn and, you know, their success in one-score games. You expect that to go down a little bit. And I just feel like they're one of the teams that, like, over this offseason doesn't really seem like they got that much better. Like, I think they had good additions, but I think from, like, what they've lost and what they've gained, unless... Like things click better with the new personnel. It seems like they're bound to go back a step or two. It seems like they should kind of be like, I know everyone wants to say the Lions, but it feels like the Vikings, just because of what they're returning, feel like they should just kind of de facto be the division favorite. But the Lions, you know, the media kind of starts to, to push things a certain way. But I really don't see, like, first off, honestly, there's no way that the Vikings have as good of a year um, as they did last year. Like, I think that's just obvious. I don't think they mm-hmm. get near the same record. I feel like they could still be division champions. But I think there's also, there's a way that, like, this year could turn, like, really bad for them, too. Like, I I feel like there is kind of like a little bit of disaster. Like the season could implode a little bit um, and kind of just be a Vikings year or maybe, you know, kind of, I feel like the typical Viking season, right. was start off really hot and then lose a lot of games. So like it's possible up in the division. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, I feel like that could also play out as well, but yeah, it doesn't, the Vikings don't intrigue me. They don't seem like any threat 
to do anything besides win the division. But I feel like once they're in the playoffs, they'll be easily bounced out. And I don't think you can really <laughs> what say makes any. You think that? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, 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 that'd be I so just, off off par for them. <laughs> I really don't think like anyone can really confidently say that anyone in this division is like a true contender for a the Super Bowl. And then, like, it's a little bit of a debate for me to say that, like, any of these teams will even be in the conference championship game. Now, of course, yeah. like, weird things can happen, but, like, it just doesn't seem like any teams will be making a huge push. The only team that I think is even remotely capable, like, 1% opportunity to be in that conference championship game is the Bears because you just have so much potential upside baked into it. But, right. like, it, they're not going to do that. Like, we just know that's not going to be the case this year. Maybe years like in following years, but not this year is not that year. Um, but I mean, like the Eagles kind of like exploded last year, like above probably even better than you could have expected them to do. So it's like, there's always the potential for that to happen, you know, mm-hmm. but it, yeah, I mean, I don't want to shoot for the moon quite yet. I think that the, the, you know, the wheels are turning in the right direction. Um, but yeah, not going to go that far quite yet. The, the Vikings for me, I like if I <laughs> I don't think they'll win the division, but I think they're the odds on favorite to be the runner up. And like <laughs> like I, I like I I don't I could feel like it's truly either gonna be the Bears or the Lions that win the division, but I think the Vikings are gonna be like the scrappiest team a little bit. I don't know. It it obviously there was something completely wrong with this team and like I'm a little bit afraid for them that Kevin O'Connell's offensive scheme he got he got found out he got figured out by the end of the year um to the point where they the bears were having to pull second string players in our foul in our final game in order to complete the loss right like (laughs) it 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 was too competitive a little bit (laughs) in that final game (laughs) that, that it should be um but for kirk cousins like he is so up and down as a quarterback. Like he'll, I mean, he'll always put up a a fairly decent statistical season, but it just seems like he only does it when he needs to. And this year he does not need to. Um, And like, you know, obviously with Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, that's, that's awesome, but it just never seems like it's been enough. And I don't know if a wide receiver is what they were missing this past year. Um, the offense, I think, is still going to be, you know, pretty good. But I, I just feel like, man, I feel like both the Lions and the Bears should be able to handle this team pretty well, especially with their defense. I think, you know, even with the Bears' defense, I, I just feel like the Vikings are going to be the worst defense in the North. Two questions for you on the Vikings, okay? I just two things that popped in my brain is, is Kirk Cousins to, like, Alex Smith an unfair comparison? And... What do you think, yeah, starting this new season, was that TJ Hawkinson trade a good move? Uh, I do think the TJ Hawkinson trade was a good move. Um, I honestly still don't understand it from the Lions' perspective at all, to be completely honest, (laughs) because they just drafted a new tight end that's going to be worse from the same exact school as Hawkinson. And they spent a second round pick on it. So it's like you're using like, did you not want to dedicate money to him? Like he's, he's a good player. So I do think it was like a good acquisition. And I think that a second, third round pick was actually, you know, good enough value to be honest. 
uh, better than I thought it was in the moment, to be honest. Um, Kirk, Kirk Cousins to Alex Smith. It, this is going to sound really weird, but I almost feel like it's a detriment <laughs> to the playoff success that Alex Smith has had compared to Cook Cousins, yeah. you know? Like, Kirk Cousins regular season versus Alex Smith regular season? Yeah, I'd take Kirk Cousins, but Alex Smith in the playoffs is infinitely better than Kirk Cousins has been. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Kirk Cousins hasn't been able to even do what Case Keenum was able to do for the Vikings. To me, it's, like, so tough to find, like, who do you compare Kirk Cousins to? It's really tough in my mind. I'm like, yeah. I don't know where to place him. Jared Goff. <laughs> I mean, like that. We have two very like flawed, but able to put up good statistical season quarterbacks in our division. I think it's um, like they understand the game enough. Like mentally, I think that they get it enough, you know, but they're just not like, they don't either have the physical traits to take them to the next level or like the command of the game, yeah. you know, of just being able to, outsmart but it's like they get football so like they're service yeah <laughs> i i think that kirk cousins to me is like my best my two the two players i could can probably compare him best to would be like and just from like a i don't even want to say like play style but like how Success. good they are yeah. yeah it would be like Derek carr in like andy dalton in their prime i think he's probably better than both of them but not by much yeah because Derek Carr kind of falls into there a little bit too like just yeah like can definitely lose you a game and can occasionally win you a game so (laughs) yeah yeah um and yeah I I do agree with you that the the Vikings as far as a pure game perspective are gonna regress record-wise I mean it's just completely in like they had I'm not going to say they were lucky because they're, I'm not, I don't, you know, they did what they were supposed to do, but they're not going to be able to play games that close again this year and win that percentage of them. Um, so yeah, I, I think that the Vikings, could they make the playoffs? Yes. Are they going to do anything in the playoffs? Probably not. Um, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm going to give, I'm hell, I'm going to give like a little bit of a record prediction for them. I think they will be, you know, Ten and ten and seven. I think they'll be ten and seven. I was gonna say nine and eight. Yeah, yeah I was about to say nine and eight, but I think they'll because they just are. They're gonna get maybe they maybe they will lose more than that. I don't know. Um, I think there's the real potential for this division to be not the best but the most competitive. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like like the NFC East that one year when everyone yeah. was like eight. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like we're all gonna be like. Uh, I don't even know, like chewing on our fingernails because we're going to be so like anxious because all the teams are going to be like with a shot of it in the final two weeks, you know? Yeah. Jarrett, now Jarrett, so let's go ahead and move on to the Lions. So yeah. the big storyline from there, you know, things, they just had an injury today to one of their tight ends, which is unfortunate. Um, the big storyline for them has been that Jameson Williams has been struggling quite a bit. Um and got into a fight today. He's been dropped. He apparently dropped like five passes today and has been dropping passes all camp. You know, he's suspended for the first six games of the season, was out most of last year with in recovering from an ACL tear that he sustained in a bowl game, right? Or was it the playoffs? I can't remember. It was the playoffs, yeah. I think yeah, it was so, a national championship game. 
Oh, Williams I think you're Georgia. right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, so yeah, Jameson Williams struggling, frustrated. Again, we were talking about this a little bit and t- and before the show. Is it something like this is what it can kind of get into a situation where it's like Jameson Williams is at a point in his career where if he doesn't have a good year this year with the suspension, he's going to be really risking like getting labeled that bus status because of just all the, we know it's not a talent thing. Jameson Williams is incredibly talented, um, but it seems like it could be a mental thing at this point. Um, just where like once you, Players, when they're on their rookie deals, once they just hit a certain level of frustration, it's really difficult to pull it back. Like once the once the bus train is kind of moving on them, it's really difficult to turn that story around and you know right the it's wrongs. Just, he's always been on the back foot. I think that's the best yeah. way. Like he's just always been behind, be it by injury, like suspension. It just really doesn't seem like a thing could go right. And then, like, in the six games that he played last year, like, he ripped off that huge play against the Bears, got called back, and it seemed like after that just, like, killed it. Like That's where just, like, the momentum stopped. (laughs) Yeah. And I also think just, like, realistically, Goff, and we're going to get into this in a second, I don't know if he's the best quarterback for Jameson Williams, (laughs) to be honest. Um I, my opinion on Jared Goff is pretty low. I think he's, in my opinion, clear. Like if if you were to uh, agnostic to team, and if you were to just ask like the NF the NFC North teams to draft their quarterbacks, like we'll even get rid of potential, right? My guess is Kirk Cousins would go first because he's just been so proven, right? Justin yeah. Fields would go second, Jared Goff would go third, and then Jordan Love would go fourth. Um, I would be afraid that Goff could be the worst quarterback this year. And like, it's this real, there's this kind of revisionist history that's going on right now in the NFL where people are looking at Jared Goff. And I was hearing on sports center, not that this is the best source of news, (laughs) right? But so they were saying that uh, they're like, they're asking like, Oh, who do you trust the most? Which quarterback do you trust the most? And someone was saying Jared Goff because he's been to the Super Bowl. Yeah, he was also the re- the sole reason his team lost the Super Bowl. <laughs> like it's it's there's this revisionist history as if Goff was good. Goff has been able to put up some decent numbers throughout his seasons, but he's always been the reason that he's held his teams back, you know, and I think that's kind I, of yeah. clear this year too. I think of Goff in a similar way, I think of Daniel Jones. You can scheme around him. You can make the game easier for him, which is why I give a lot of credit to Ben Johnson. But at a certain point, like things hit a boiling point. You can't you can't scheme around a player too much to get him to just play at an all pro level. It's very difficult. And if Sean McVay couldn't do it, I really struggle to believe that this coaching staff will be able to make serious noise with Jared Goff, to be completely honest. Um and especially just looking at last year, like people want to pretend like Jared Goff was in full control of the offense and, you know, dealing and diming. He was not, he was being completely hidden. The only two quarterbacks in the division right now that are allowed to go and make decisions for themselves is Kirk Cousins and Justin Fields. I'm not saying Jordan Love can't get to that point, but I'm just saying the showings that we've seen of Jordan Love have been completely scripted plays. Um, so yeah, it's, no, I think yeah. that and that just sorry, sorry, I'll wrap up real quick, but that impacts with the way that I look at this Lions team because historically what we've seen 
is that teams with bad quarterbacks can have good years, right? But it their consistency year to year plummets when you have a bad quarterback. So, and I'm, I'm even going to give the Lions credit. I think they had a good enough year last year. You know, they beat up on a lot of bad teams. They didn't win against a lot of the good teams. But they were competitive in those games. I'll give them credit for that. But at the end of the day, I just feel like this team is begging for a regression from Jared Goff. Yeah, I mean, like, I think the thing with the Lions is, like, it kind of really has, like, a this year bust feeling. You know, mm-hmm. like... It's really just like either things are going to take off with Dan Campbell this year and like they are actually going to contend, like they're going to do something, they're going to mix it up, or it's like we're going to be back to having Dan Campbell on the hot seat after this year. Yeah. Like there's really that's really the two ways that this year can go for the Lions. I think the expectations, unfortunately, in the media has definitely given them a certain gas up. Um, I think that they have some really solid pieces in place. I think they have a good set of wide receivers, especially when you just look at talent level. I think on the defensive end, they do have, you know, definitely assets along the defensive line, although from a, and their secondary can perform well. Um, But at the same time, it's definitely a defense that still made a lot of mistakes last year. wasn't necessarily completely watertight. So it's not like there's some world beating defense. Um, and offensively, like we know what Jared Goff's ceiling is. I think he's someone that can, yeah. when Jared Goff has someone or, or players around him, he can just dump, you know, quick players. He can dump the ball off to and, and let them make plays in space. Like he can exceed or succeed. Um, and, and he does have that around him, but it's just, you know, Jared Goff isn't going to blow us away. Like we, we know what he is. I think that the Lions this year, honestly, I think that they're like a seven or eight win team. I'm being honest. Yeah. Yeah, man. And I kind of tend to agree with you. I think they're going to be kind of probably in the same realm as they were last year. I think the big, the big issue for them is like also, I mean, just statistically, it's going to be really hard for them to follow up their performance offensively as good as they were last year. Even if defensively, they're a little bit better. I think offensively they're, bound for a big regression and we talk about the wide receivers I don't I don't I don't think they're I don't know if they're that great to be honest like they're I, I mean obviously Amon Ra is there but everyone else you know Jameson Williams can't does he have the potential yeah is it trending in the right direction no he's gonna be missing for you know pretty close to half the season six games um Cleef Raymond's not doing it for you. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it. It if if you're looking offensively, I would. If I'm picking, I, hold on. I want to think before I say something stupid. Yeah, if you're taking all the all the weapons in the NFC North, like per team, so you're picking either the Packers, the Bears, the Vikings, or the Lions offensive weapons. I would say most when you factor it all in, most people would probably pick. Lions last or at most second to last like for sure yeah, you no, go with disagree. the Vikings because they have Justin Jefferson and he's yeah. just insane I would say probably after that you go Bears and you probably go Packers because they have a good group of young wide receivers and they have two really good running backs and then you have the Lions who really don't have anything special so I think like Jameer Gibbs has the potential to be a yes, game-changing yeah. player I think that Jamison Williams has that kind of talent but I think especially when you look at what we saw on the field last year, 
Like, yes, like you said, they have a Mon Rob, but I think that in the sum of parts, like, we're not all that excited about David Montgomery, you know? Yeah. I, I think, right, the Vikings are definitely the first up there because they have the sole best player in the division currently, which is Justin Jefferson. Yeah. And then I think that with the Bears, with the trio of receivers that you have, I think we really expect that to be strong. I think that lifts them up. And I think with the Packers, like, I would have a bit of a debate with myself if I'd rather have uh, Amonra or Christian Watson. If I'm being honest, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a. I mean, Christian Watson's explosive. Amonra's mm-hmm. kind of more of the steady guy. Can make some explosive plays, but after that, I think on the lines is definitely a drop off. And as someone you know who had seen Amonra play extensively in college, like I've always liked Amonra, but a little bit of the note on him always was like he's really good but you always are kind of hoping for a little bit more, you know, like he, he, he's really good and he's consistent, but he probably won't ever be that elite guy. Um, not to put labels on anybody. Cause I do, I do support him. Um, but I, I would be, I think kind of we're seeing what Amon Ra is and I don't, I would be surprised or was like, as much as I hate to say it, Christian Watson, if he's able to take that next step, I mean, the sky's the limit for him. He's a freak. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, Myron's just never gonna live up to equanimity. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He'll always be living in his brother's shadow. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. But then final final team, the Packers. I know what everyone's waiting on. And, and yeah, I'll say for the Lions, eight. I'm saying eight and eight, seven, nine wins is where I'm probably expecting them. Could things work out and could they get to ten wins? Yes, I think so. But I I would I'm tend to be kind of bearish on the lines. It seems like this is the third season we're hearing about the lines being honestly, it seems like the 10th season in a row. We're hearing about the lines <laughs> taking the next step. Um, Every year is the damn lines. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, and you know, but I will give them credit for beating the bears ass the second time we face them. Uh, good for you lines. Good for you. Um, but anyways, talk about the Packers storylines from camp is that, you know, Love really was struggling heavily in the beginning. It seems like he's gotten his grounding a little bit there. Um, Again, with Jordan Love, this is like he needs to walk out and be great because this is his fourth season in the NFL, correct? I believe you're correct. Yeah, Yeah, fourth season. This is fourth season in the NFL. Um, And so far, when we've seen him on the field, it's been pretty bad. He has yet to actually win a game where he's started more than eight reps in. And the big play that Packers fans like to focus all their attention on is a simple crossing route that was 10 yards deep and Christian Watson took it to the house. Uh, very similar to a play that Justin Fields had in his rookie season to Damier Bird, where he took it to the house too. And that is one of Justin Fields' worst touchdowns um, as far as like what he's done. Uh, so yeah, I, I think, you know, love, it's really hard to gauge the Packers cause they do have a good team. You know, they, they have a lot of talent on defense. Um, they have a, you know, talented offensive line, talented young receivers, tight ends. I'm not very high on. Um, I thought that they had an interesting draft this year. Their defensive line is awesome. Best in the North for sure. Um, so, I mean, really, Jordan, or, uh, yeah, Jordan Love just needs to be half comp- competent for them to win six games, right? Yeah, 
I mean, I think honestly, if I'm thinking about it, I feel, and I'm not saying this because this is a Bears podcast, like I'm not even going to take the angle, I'm going to frame it this way, I'm not even going to take the angle that Jordan Love is going to suck. I don't think Jordan Love is going to absolutely suck. I don't think he's going to be just dead on rights. You pull him after like three games, and you're like, this is yeah. this is awful. I think the Packers are going to get caught in the worst possible situation with him. And it's right. funny that you talked about it. He's going to be like Jared Goff, <laughs> and you're not going to know what to do. Like, honestly, I think that he's going to perform good enough where you have to think about it. And I think that's the worst place to be because you'd rather just – know that you got to move on and try something different. Cause God, I being, hope you're right. I mean, I think being mediocre is the, is the worst kind of the worst card to draw. And I think that Jordan love, like you said, I think, I think the Packers are, might match the lines this year. Honestly, I think they could really? get, I think six wins is a good benchmark. I see the Packers in like the five, I feel like giving three game spans a little bit too big. I would like to say five to eight, but I see like five to seven wins this year yeah. for the Packers. I think that's a good range for them. I think that there's going to be a couple of games where Jordan Love, you know, he'll go for 250 and two touchdowns. You know, I, I think that he can pull that off. But at the same time, I don't think he's going to be your next elite quarterback, top five quarterback. I think maybe he's in that realm of is he above average? And I think that that's kind of the spot in the NFL where you kind of hate to be, unfortunately. I could see Love kind of like... I'm trying to think of a good QB comparison for him. Um, it, it it does seem like... I don't know, man. It, he's a, he's really hard to gauge. Um, he looks exactly like the same guy he was in college, to be completely honest. Like, kind of the same player. Um, I, I don't think he's going to be successful in the league overall, just based off of what we've seen on the field, the game has looked too big for him. I'm also not going to, you know, blame it completely on him considering that he hasn't had extended starting time, but I'm like, to this point, I'm unimpressed. Um, I'm not, and there's always like the, oh yeah, I, like it could be, he could be amazing. Right. Yeah. I mean, you could say that about anyone. You can say that about Sean Clifford too. Um, <laughs> I, but yeah, yeah, it's just. It's I think hard. with. I think with him, I just expect him to be erratic, kind of. I could yeah. see him kind of being a little bit like, not the first couple of year Russell Wilson, where you're going ahead and playing for Super Bowls, but I could see him having like Russell Wilson type qualities. You know, a couple yeah. throws, a couple plays where like either the ball comes up short. Or he just makes like a bad read, and you're kind of like, "What were you thinking?" But also have the little bit of the ability to to pull something out of his hat every now and then, you know, you know win you an ugly game too. I'm I'm gonna say this: he could be a Trubisky. I think like, he could do, or maybe just the next like half step to a step above, but like yeah. still nothing crazy, you know. Yeah, I I think like, I mean it it it. It's just it would be um, kind of difficult to gauge. I think he's like probably gonna kind of look more like Trubisky and like Trey Lance on the field as far as decision making goes. Yeah. Um, I think he's gonna we're gonna see a similar product to what he was in college, which was you know throwing nineteen touchdowns, throwing nineteen interceptions. I, I I don't think no think it'll be that bad. You know he's got a good team around him, um, but like I I'm afraid the Packers will have an opportunity for a quarterback this year. (laughs) 
especially with my favorite, one of my favorite players ever and the best quarterback I've seen play college football in my lifetime, Caleb Williams, coming out. I am deathly afraid. I, I'm really hoping for Jordan Love because I'm deathly th- afraid of yeah. the Packers being in striking range of that pick. I mean, it would be like poetic. <laughs> it would be so poetic for it to work out that way. Um, but I don't think it will. I think that yeah. Jordan Love will be good enough um, to to take him uh, above that where that's out of threat. You yeah. know, And the Cardinals are going to be pretty horrible and they have two shots at it because they also have the Houston pick. But the Packers will likely have two first-round picks next year, like the Bears. And, uh, man, it's it's going to be tough. I also think I really hope you're right because this kind of the state of the Packers roster, they have a lot of aging veterans. They also got some young guys, but they have a lot of aging veterans too. I kind of hope that, you know, that leads them to, you know, try to run it back with Jordan Love. Because even <laughs> if they don't get Caleb, I mean, Drake May looks pretty pretty insane yeah Yeah, no i know what you mean um i think that you know as long as they can stay relatively healthy i think if they if the packers hit injury trouble then it's gonna be like whoa watch out but yeah if these if their players especially like jair alexander um you know your kenny clarks uh your sean gary of course in the running back room if they can stay healthy christian watson plays the full season like these players can carry them to some wins. Like they have enough yeah. like difference makers where that, you know, they should be able to win some games. And I think that's just why ultimately, at least with just kind of expecting the things play out a little bit as usual. I mean, I feel like they're going to be, I feel like they're going to be a team that probably wins a couple of games that maybe they technically shouldn't just because they have enough difference makers. I, I'm going to say six wins. I'm going to say six wins. You're going to settle on six? Yeah. I mean, sure. I, I'll go with just like seven to stir the pot a little bit, and I think that would aggravate Lions fans. Um, but I think it's just kind of – it's a little bit of the, the same picture, kind of a little bit with um, the Packers and the Lions, other than, you know, obviously we haven't seen one quarterback on the field all that much. And the other one, we know exactly who he is. So Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just and, – and just like <laughs> – there's a little bit in the NFL that I truly feel like you can see a player's mentality the second they get on the field. Like with Justin Fields, it, with the exception of probably his first ever start in the game, I've never felt like the game ever seemed too big for him, you know? And that was in some bad situations. Whereas with Jordan Love and like guys like Trey Lance is another guy I point to. Mitch at times you're just like I don't know if he's kind of got the mentality for it yeah and uh that's that's kind of where I'm at with love where I think you know he could be successful but I'm not entirely sure um so where did the Bears end up finishing where do you think I'm feeling pretty confident about a second honestly I really don't want to predict them to um to win the division off the rip. But then again, like you look at the schedule and it's just so easy because they're the worst yeah. team. Like this schedule is just so pathetic um, that like, I really expect the bears to win some, a decent number of games just because they play some teams that should be pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, I don't expect everything to go out, go off without a hitch this year for the bears. I do think that they fit in there nicely though. I think that the bears should be at least in the hunt for a playoff spot with at least, you know, two weeks remaining. I think that it's pretty likely that they'll at least be in the hunt right down to the wire. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to say, you know, shoot for the stars, go right for the division. Um, I think that 
the Bears could be one of those teams that sneaks in as a wild card and is kind of like that wild card team that you're like, ah, I don't really want to play them because of Justin yeah. Fields is just kind of that guy where it's like, I hope I don't have a game where Fields goes off, you know, or where, you know, DJ Moore and Justin Fields just go crazy. Um, yeah. So I think that they're kind of that team that can be really scary to play, um, but also second year of the coaching staff last year was terrible. Um, they're still not an all-around great football team. They really lack depth at, at certain positions. The edge spot is certainly a concern in a in a time in the NFL where the edge is a huge position. Um, so there's definitely some question marks. There's a lot of new players to fit in. This team has a completely different look, a different feel from last year. Um, so I think there's going to be some road bumps along the way. Maybe a loss or two of the year like really stings, but probably a couple wins where it feels really good. Um, so I expect there to be some highs and lows, um, but I think that you know, I think being around me, if I had the Vikings at nine and eight, you know, maybe I put the Bears at nine and eight, but with a tiebreaker yeah. that keeps them out. You know, yeah, I I agree with that. I think nine, I think nine and eight's the Bears' sweet spot to be completely honest, um, which kind of shows you the like just how close we kind of view all these teams being. Um, I I would say I would be pretty surprised if they finish in the bottom half of the division this year. Um, oh, yeah, I would be. I'd, Unless I'd be it's surprised. a really strong third or like a second and third are just uh, a tiebreaker or something like that. Um, yeah. I feel like I'd be blown away with last. I, I, I really hope that doesn't happen, um, no. especially with – just how weak their schedule is like they should if, be able if to they're in through. last i think it it's fair to say it might be time to question the quarterback <laughs> um yeah. and you know i think oh man if they're last this year dude like imagine if they only get like four wins or five wins man yeah there's no way you can't say fluce isn't on the hot seat can't say yeah. polls isn't on the hot seat like honestly at that point it's it's major concern already um, which seems like an overreaction only in the second year, but I think that, yeah, it'd be it'd yeah. be interesting. <laughs> All right, man. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Um, hope you guys enjoyed the banter. The hour, you know, just after a we bit cut of banter. Things, an hour, <laughs> probably around an hour and ten minutes. We appreciate those who listen. Again, please leave us a five-star rating and review for all the new reviews. We do read them out on the podcast, so go ahead. And if you're listening right now, you are literally the elite of our elite listeners, uh, and we appreciate you instrumentally. And all, you know, if you can just take your time, go to Apple Podcasts, just go to the bottom. There's a little quick button, five-star. That would help a lot. And if you could write something out, something funny, your take for the season, man, that'd be so beneficial. Yeah, no, if you're still listening, you're like one of those fans that has a bag over their head, like, you know, <laughs> when the team's like 0-14, you know, <laughs> you're still going to the game. So appreciate y'all, um, you know, everything that Austin said. But most definitely happy to be back covering the Bears. Um, not only do we expect the Bears to do better, we're going to do better this year. We're going to really take it to it. Uh, feel bad for the other Bears podcast out there because we're getting serious again, and, man, they ain't going to stop us. So, uh, bear down. <laughs> bear down.